Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Yeah, perspective is important, and we're going to give a little bit to you here when it comes to the impeachment trial about to take place in the Senate. Barry Markson in for Bruce St. James all week long as Bruce is vacationing. And Barry and I out here live at Barrett Jackson. I know a lot of you either have been here already or are making plans to come this weekend. A little chilly out here right now, but it will be beautiful later on this afternoon. So if you're making your way out here to Scottsdale, make sure you stop by and say hi. But you know what? There's a lot of news going on out there right now, Barry. And you know what? You and I are in this world, right? We're in the news business. We we follow these stories play by play, blow by blow. And, and I, you know, I can recognize that at times we can get a little in the weeds when it comes to things as heavy and as heady as the impeachment trial. So we're trying to take a step back here and recognize that not everybody follows this the way that we follow it. And so there are some questions. There are some questions that people have when it comes to the president's impeachment trial that maybe you were a little too embarrassed to ask. Well, Barry and I are going to try to break that down and give you some perspective. I mean, for instance, Barry, a lot of people are asking, how long is this going to take? How is this going to work? What will Chief Justice Roberts do? Well, let's start with how long is this going to take? Too long. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't know. We yeah. honestly do not know. No, I mean, they think it's a, uh, I mean, McConnell thinks it's going to last about two weeks. Uh, but a lot of that's going to depend on um, whether or not they hear witnesses. It's going to depend on how long each of the managers takes to present their part of the case. Um, after the House presents their case, the, you know, the, the president's lawyers and representatives have a chance to respond. So... Uh, it, it's going to take a while. It, it's uh, it, it's all day in the Senate. The senators are required to sit there. By the way, they have to be in their seats, uh, and and the Chief Justice presides over it over it as a judge. Okay, so when when you say it's going to take a while, you've got uh, Mitch McConnell, who wants it to be short. Well, when I say short, I'm talking about two weeks. Okay, he doesn't want witnesses called to testify because that would prolong it, right? Now, whether or not he gets his way is still it still remains to be seen here. Um, if there are justices, if there are witnesses that are called, that's going to make it a lot longer. Um, and it all really kind of comes down to whether or not this all falls along party lines. If, if Republicans do not open the door to witnesses, then yeah, this will move relatively quick. Um, if they do want witnesses, then it's going to take a lot longer. Yeah, I mean, the, Republic, look, the Republicans want this to be as quick as possible while be able, being able to show that they had a full trial. That, that's what they want. They want to be able to exonerate the president, and they think the only way to do that is to allow a, a full trial without witnesses. So, it, in other words, they could do a motion to dismiss, and if there's enough 51 senators who vote for it, it could be gone in one day. Sure. But they're saying they're not going to do that now. Number one, they don't think they have the votes. And two, many people think that in order for Trump to feel as if he's really exonerated, they have to have the trial. So another question uh, folks have out there is, how is this all going to work, right? Are there prosecutors? Is there a defense, a judge? Like, like you know, you, you've seen an ordinary trial or maybe yeah. you've seen in the movies or have participated in as well. Kind of. <laughs> okay, yeah. kind of. Well, it's- yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a normal trial. I mean, that is, no. it's not. It's it's a different sort of a thing that's called a trial. But the chief justice, he'll be sitting up in the the president of the Senate's chair. He'll be up in, in essence like the judge. Sort of. Yeah. And it'll be and the prosecutors are in essence the House managers. Yep. So the the guys the, the women and men from the House will come over and they'll present their case. It'll be in the form of uh, oral argument, but also of presenting facts that have already been. They're going to present the case that's already been built up in the House. And then the president is going to have his own team. So that's going to be right. your defense in this case. And then the the 
senators, like you said, who are required to be there, even if they are running for president of the United States, are going to be sworn in today as the sort of jury in this yeah, court. And by the way, the rules are that it's a six-day-a-week thing. Like They're supposed to be there for six days. We'll see if that actually plays out or not, because that's not a normal schedule for these senators. Uh, but they're supposed to be there six days. Okay, so when we talk about uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, what's his role in all of this? Um, you know what? It's still kind of murky. Uh, you know, he has the his job is to preside over it, right? And that he has the power to rule on all questions of evidence. But how much of a role is he going to take? Is he going to be very hands-on or is he going to be very hands-off? Yeah, I mean, in a normal trial, the judge is the one deciding all of the the rules are set and the judge then rules on everything in evidence. Here, the Senate itself sets the rules. So, for example, whether or not there'll be witnesses, Chief Justice Roberts doesn't make that decision. The right. Senate itself will vote on that. So, okay, but here's... Okay. Okay, you're right. Absolutely. But I think that this is an interesting nugget. So let's say, hypothetically speaking, you've got you have uh, 53 Republicans and 47 senators. That's the makeup of the parties. If you have three Republican senators that break away and side with the Democrats when it comes to calling witnesses, it right. is then 50-50. Who breaks that Tie. Yeah. Well, and, and precedent, as we've learned, yeah. uh, Pamela, precedent in, in prior uh, impeachment hearings, the chief justice has said, I, I'm going to be the tiebreaker in something like that. And he's done that. Whether or not John Roberts will do that, I don't know. He may simply sit back and say, deciding these rules is a, is the duty of the Senate and I will leave it to you. And 50-50 is not passing it. So that that made that he but I could see him doing going either way. With well, that. There's precedent for either yeah. way as well, because, again, you're, you're referring to, you know, the impeachment trial of Andrew Johnson. I think we're all familiar with. No, we're not. It happened back in the 1800s. But the uh, chief justice in that case cast two tie-breaking votes. Very hands-on. But then you look back to more modern history and the impeachment trial of Bill Clinton. You had Chief Justice Rehnquist, who was more hands-off. He wanted to stay out of it. And so there's precedent for either way and how Chief Justice Roberts decides to handle this. We don't know. But at the end of the day... Um, it's up to the senators to decide a verdict. And it, it's pretty simple. Did Trump do what he's accused of doing? But the true question actually may be, should Trump be removed from the White House? And that is where we will eventually find ourselves. Yeah. And this is, you know, there's abs- this is a constitutional duty that the Senate has to perform. But this is a political thing. It's, you know, there's not jury instructions uh, like there would be in a normal trial where you're instructed to follow the law and apply the facts the, or apply the law to the facts as presented. These senators can do what they want for any reason they want. So uh, as we I think we all agree, unless something really changes and the momentum we're seeing now carries forward, it's very unlikely that the president is going to be removed from office. However, we could see witnesses. I, I think the, the, the fact that we've seen so many new things come out since the House voted on this a few weeks ago, uh, it's some of these senators are going to be pretty hard-pressed not to allow witnesses, not to allow the American people to hear more really relevant evidence. I mean, Lev Parnas, how do you not call Lev Parnas after what we just saw last night in these interviews uh, on, on cable news? Yeah, and, and that remains to be seen. But I mean, the question of, did the president do what he's accused of doing? I mean, that in essence is kind of what they're trying to get to the heart of. But if you look at what happened with the Bill Clinton impeachment trial, there were a lot of senators out there that believed he was, in fact, guilty of obstruction of justice. But when you uh, you run it through the lens of 
should he be removed from office? That's a much higher bar. And I think in this situation, you may, in fact, have Republicans that take a look at the scope of evidence out there and say, yeah, you know what? He did some things that he wasn't supposed to do, and I don't really like it, but does it rise to the level? Does it meet the threshold of being removed from office? Yeah, it's it's a very high threshold. The framers said it. It's set high anyway. You need two-thirds of the Senate to remove a president from office, not a simple majority. So that's number one. And number two, in the United States, we have never, although there have been other uh, impeachment proceedings, we have never removed a president from office using using this, uh, this uh, process. It hasn't happened. Now, Richard Nixon and resigned. But no president has been removed from this. So uh, do I expect President Trump's going to be removed? No. But is it important that the Senate takes this Mm -hmm. responsibility, this constitutional responsibility seriously? It is. And it's not just the pomp and circumstance. You know, yesterday we saw the House managers walk the impeachment charges over. That's what they're supposed to do. It says that in the Constitution. Today we're going to see John uh, Roberts come over. He's going to, the the senators all have to swear to a new oath, not just their senator oath. It's a new oath as jurors. They're going to administer that. It's going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance. But the duty is more than that, Pamela. This is this is one of the founding things in our founding document in the Constitution. It's it's a very important uh, duty that senators hold, and I, I really do hope they take it seriously. Not to say that they should or shouldn't remove the president. I just hope they go into it and treat their role in this in a serious and, and honest manner. Yeah, that's Barry Marks and Pamela Hughes out here at Barrett-Jackson talking about impeachment as things really start to get rolling in the Senate. St. James and Pamela Hughes. Barry Markson and I earlier this week had a conversation about the United States. And when you were taking a look at some polling data, it had a lot of young people out there who did not believe that America is the greatest country in the world. And you and I had a lot of conversations about that, Barry. And and I disagree. I think that that might be a bubble that a lot of people are living in. And if you haven't traveled internationally and had a chance to step outside of the United States to really get a, a sense of value of what we have and the freedoms and the rights in this country, then, yeah, you know what, I can see where you may have that perspective. But right now, we've got a new U.S. News 2020 Best Countries ranking that just recently came out. And, um, well, United States... Not at the top of the list. No, I, I sent this to you, Pamela. I said I think we were apparently we were wrong. I was a little surprised. This is a big survey. They do they survey twenty thousand people around the world, and uh, ask them a whole bunch of different questions about their countries and about different countries and what do you think is important and all these things, and then they rank them. And the U.S. ended up being seventh on that list of the best countries in the world. Switzerland number one. So we're looking at thirty six countries. All right. So just to kind of give you a bit of perspective there. From one to thirty six, where does the United States rank? Well, we come in. Seven. Yeah, Switzerland coming in number one, and Canada moving up in the rankings, Canada. taking slot number two. How can any place that cold be the second best country in the world, and Switzerland for that matter? We've it's got just cold places here in the United States, but, but not all the time. Canada's always cold, isn't it? <laughs> Wow, that's it. Okay, it's just based entirely upon weather. Where's Fiji in this, right? Um, yeah, but I mean, it, it's one of those things where you know it reflects you know, a negative view of the world within some countries. And a lot of people, you know, this is kind of the doom and gloom stuff, but in all reality, there's 
there's a place for it that conditions around the world are worsening. Um, people are, are talking about the gap between the rich and the poor and how that's growing and how nationalism is increasing. And these are all conversations that we're having here, rightfully so, in the United States. But those are all also having an impact on not only how we view ourselves, but how the rest of the world views us as well. Yeah. And, and look, the, the country's in the top five. These are democracies. There's a, they, have, they have freedoms that we talk about. They have a lot of the same things the United States uh, offers. Let's, let, let's, let's name the top five, though. Yeah, Swi- um, Switzerland, number one, yeah. Canada, two, and then Japan. Uh, came in third, Germany at number four, and Australia at number five. Australia is on fire, Pamela. How can they be one of the best countries? Well, they're not the cold world? because according to you know <laughs> your logic, you can't be cold and in the top five. How did Canada get there? Well, Australia is hot right now. My goodness. No, but um, <laughs> those, those are the top five. Yeah, and, and us coming in at number seven. But when, when we're looking at these lists of best of or worst places, you know, things along those lines, yeah. as, as a parent, and I know you are as well, there was another interesting survey that caught my attention recently. And this one is about what's the best country in the world to raise a child. Ah. And they're talking about, like, you know, the public education system. And, and if if you want a well-developed public education system, if that's the top of your list and one of the major filters for which, you know, you're going to judge this upon, then you're going to like the United States because we take the top spot in education in this year's Best Countries report. And we have for the last couple of years. But if you're factoring in a ton of other things, Right. If you're talking about family friendly laws, you're talking about safety, you're talking about human rights and green living and all these types of things. The United States actually comes in a low 18, 18, 18 for best countries to raise a child. Why is that? What 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 is the uh, why? Why are we so bad? Well, they're they're knocking us for a lot of health reasons as well. When you take a look at uh, infant mortality rate, when you take a look at the health system for moms, when you take a look at the 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 um, family leave, you know, whenever you have a child, and can mom stay home? Can dad stay home? That's something that other countries that beat us on this list, and Europe, and Canada, and Australia, they actually have a much more friendly family policy than the United States. Yeah, and look, this is, they talk about things like gender equality, and whether there's a strong correlation to that and positive attributes of the country. Uh, They talk about general safety, whether or not you want to travel there by yourself, those sorts of things. Uh, There's a, there's a lot of, a lot of parts of this survey that I guess you could question whether or not that has anything to do with raising kids, but it, it's uh, it, it's interesting to see the United States so low on a list like this. Well, you know what I, what I also thought was interesting about this, um, the world's most powerful country, us, yes, the United States, we were hit with a record low, 16 out of 100 And let me tell you, if my daughter ever came home with like a math test where she only got 16 out of 100, yeah, that would not be good. We shouldn't be happy about 16 out of 100 when it comes to trust. Uh. Trust. United States, they're saying in the survey, is no longer trustworthy. And they say it's 50% less trustworthy than it was when they first started this survey. This is the U.S. News and World Report survey back in 19, or, excuse me, 2016. So it's not that long ago. In four years, they're saying the United States has lost half 
of its trustworthiness. Yeah. Well, that's there's there's many people who would agree with you right now, I suppose, Pamela. There's no question about it. I, I don't really understand the safety rating on this. It's it, you know, there, there's obviously quite a few what we might call liberal things on here. How green is the country? Um, you know, they're saying our human rights aren't solid. But, but our, this is a world thing. Yeah. This isn't just a United States thing. And I know no. that a lot of these issues are debated in our country. But when you're looking at this from a global scale, right. where green living is more of a priority, yeah. And you hear that like gender equality may be more of a priority. They're judging. I mean, it's an equal judgment upon every country. And while we may not view these issues in this country as a priority, a lot of the rest of the world is. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it, that's that's the thing. It's an international survey, much like the other one. Uh, I don't know that some of the issues on here that are big factors in the ranking would really impact a lot of people in our country. I think there's a big chunk of people in the United States who would say, I'm really not all that concerned about that as I, as I talk about raising my kids. Yeah, I think I think there are a lot of things these days, though. Like I know I'm concerned about with raising my daughter, um, and, and some of the, I mean the survey does check the box on some of them. At yeah. least, at no, least no for question, me. No question about it. Hey, you know what? A woman, a lady out there, oh, was my. carrying her dad's life savings in a Tupperware container. Let me just throw that out there. <laughs> um, getting on a plane, and the DEA took it from her. Why? And I mean, I mean, we're talking like close to like 90 grand that yeah. she was just walking around in cash. Can you even take that amount of money on a plane? Luckily, I have an attorney here with me, Barry Markson, filling in for Bruce St. James all week long. We're diving into that next here on KTAR. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Yeah, I don't know about you, but uh, I carry my life savings around in a Tupperware container. How about you, uh, Barry? It keeps it fresh. Yeah, you know what? It keeps it something, that's for sure. Uh, Barry let the Mar- air out a little bit, you know, and it's <laughs> sure. nice and crisp. Uh, Barry Markson and me, we are out here at uh, Barrett-Jackson, out here in Scottsdale. Some really cool cars in that break there. I just had the chance to go check out Lightning McQueen. And the uh, Mutt Cuts car from uh, oh, Dumb yeah. and Dumber. Oh, yeah. You know what? Those are the things I'm interested <laughs> in here, folks. But yeah, if you are heading out here to Barrett Jackson in Scottsdale today, uh, swing on by. Say hi to us. You know, I've got to say, I, I was I was picking up some coffee and stuff on the way over here this morning, and I heard a woman, two women in line were talking, and they were saying how they've never been to Barrett Jackson, they've never been to the Phoenix Open, and and I I didn't how say anything. How long have you lived here? Yeah, a yeah. long time. And I, and I but I'm thinking to myself, you know, Get we, out a little we, bit more. This time of year is just such an incredible yeah. time in to live in the Phoenix area. You have Barrett Jackson. You have the Open. You have spring trainings coming up. There's there's horse uh, Arabian horse shows. There's all these things you can go to. The cost is not that extravagant just to no. attend, and it's something that most people in the country don't even have an opportunity. They travel to see. here to, to do this, right? And yeah. it's so fun. Uh, and just to, you know, just walking around a little bit here, just in the short time we have in breaks to see the cars and it, they're it's cool. Just, yeah. So I mean, come out, grab your kids, walk around. It's you know, come on on Sunday when it's less expensive and it's not as crowded. But what an opportunity to come to something like this and see a car auction, or just to see some really fun, interesting cars here at Barrett Jackson. All right, so why were we talking about walking around with your life savings in a Tupperware <laughs> container? Because uh, I haven't seen anybody, anybody out here at Barrett Jackson with a Tupperware container. And if you want some of these cars, you're going to need a lot of cash for it. <laughs> That's true. Um, but there was a woman that uh, was walking around with every single dollar that her dad had saved. We're talking about like 82 grand in a container and um, trying yeah. to get on a plane. 
Yeah, look, the, the husband, or the, excuse me, her father was 79 years old. He was getting older, and he was worried that he was keeping a lot of cash on hand. For some reason, he kept all his money at home. And so on one of her visits, when she went to see him, uh, he asked her to open a joint bank account for both of them, to put the money in the bank account. She didn't get to it right away, and she had to leave on the flight going back to Pittsburgh. Um, so she put it in a Tupperware, and she took it to the airport with her. She checked ahead of time, Pamela, yep. found out correctly yep. that in the United States, you can carry as much cash as you want on a plane in you know domestically. Now, if you travel to another country. There's all sorts of different sure. rules. But in the, in the United States, you can carry cash. So she put it in a Tupperware and went to the airport. Didn't try to hide it. Had it in her bag. It went through the security thing. They saw it. They saw the picture of the money, apparently. And then she's at the gate waiting to get on her flight. And DEA comes up to her. DEA meets her at this gate and starts questioning her about the cash. And you know what? That doesn't surprise me. I'll be honest with you. You're walking around with like a huge amount of cash. You got a DEA agent in there. I mean, they're thinking drug money, sure, right? That, that's, a, that's initially what they're thinking here. Um, and you know what? Uh, they ended up taking the money. Yeah. Now, so they get on the phone with her mm-hmm. father because she says she tells them the story that yep. we just told you. And uh, her father, though, is having, I don't know if it's early dementia. He has some things. His story doesn't quite match up with hers. It, he's not saying she stole it. He's not saying drug anything. There's no evidence of a crime at all. But the way he explained it didn't match up entirely with the way she explained it. So DEA confiscates the money. Now, Maybe you can make an argument, okay, it looks suspicious, the stories sure, don't match up. Sure, you can make up. that argument, It's yeah. still drug money. Mm-hmm. I, whether you can take the money then, I don't know, but That's okay. That's the thing. But you take the money. But you don't return the money. You don't give the money back at some point. Again, there is no allegation of a crime. No one is suggesting the father or the daughter committed any sort of a crime or any illegality at all. So how, okay, so again, that's Barry Marks, and he's in all week for Bruce St. James, and, and, and Barry, you're an attorney. I'm, I'm, I'm just your average Joe Schmo here, and so to me, this just seems outrageous, and I don't understand how this can happen. Is there any legal precedent for this? I mean, like, let, let's say it happened to me, okay? Uh, my dad's in Pittsburgh. Let's say he decided to keep all of his cash underneath the mattress, right. and I try to come back, and I got it in a Tupperware container, and they take the money from me. The story isn't necessarily matching yeah. up. How does one go about getting their money back? Well, Can they? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of arguments. One is that it's a, it's unconstitutional. It's an illegal search and seizure. I mean, why do they get to search her once once she's there? The money doesn't pose a danger or right. a hazard on a flight, right? I mean, there's no issue about that. Um, and otherwise, there's you, you, it's a taking. I mean, you're taking property from a United States citizen uh, without without basis. So uh, yes, I think there's definitely a, a criteria for a lawsuit here. And according to the woman, her lawyers who, who filed the suit against the DEA and TSA and everybody else involved, she said the only criteria that DEA has for seizing cash is if it finds amounts greater than $5,000. So they have a, a rule where they just say, if we see more than $5,000 in cash, we can take it. <laughs> well, that's not good. No, and I don't know necessarily how that is, is legal because this kind of practice, you know, what is it, the uh, assets forfeiture? Like yeah. it, it's it's come under increased scrutiny over the last couple of years because you've got a lot of, whether it be federal agencies, whether it be local law enforcement agencies, that some have argued are trying to pad their budgets with this kind of money. Well, yeah, there's th- that, and that's the part that's a little tricky is because when they get these asset forfeitures, uh, Pamela, federal and, and local law enforcement, and this was a thing here locally, the sheriff's office would, would take drug, you know, people who were yeah. involved in drug allegations, they would seize property, they'd seize houses and cars and cash, and that becomes, in essence, the property of the agency. They're now able to spend that on, in addition to their budget, it's extra money for them. And you know, so what a great incentive. Now, you may we may look at this and say, well, it's drug money, go ahead and take it. 
here is a perfect example about why when we let our rights slip away, when we let the government stretch what's really a right and, and take things away from criminals, how it affects just normal, everyday, legal citizens or, or law-abiding citizens. And back to this guy, like, he, he had, like, a tooth problem that, that he needed. Can't afford it. Yeah, like a tooth decay problem. And if you've ever had dental issues and, like, painful teeth, let me tell you, it's just something you need to get taken care of because it is it's excruciating yeah. and he couldn't do it. And if you're wondering how often this happens, DEA, 8,800 8, seizures in 2017, yeah. $539 million. I feel for him. And the, I, I really do. Yeah, really here, once you find out it's nothing, return the money. Yeah. yeah we made a mistake, money. okay? Yeah. Here it is. Exactly. Take it back. Go get your tooth fixed. Hey, you know what? A new study says women prefer men who have this we're going to tell you yeah, what this is Yeah, next. they do. Easy. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Yeah, you've got Pamela Hughes, Barry Markson in for Bruce St. James all week long. And we are live out at Barrett-Jackson. A little cloudy out here today, a little chilly, which means it is perfect to come out and check these beautiful cars that are out here. So many to choose from. Too many to choose from. Let me tell you, like, I could just get lost here, Barry. And, and by the way, if you haven't been here, it, it's like a carnival. It isn't just, you know, hardcore car people. It's They have all sorts of vendors here, all sorts of food. It's like going to the state fair. So they have all that here. You can come out and do, uh, I'm calling it doing donuts in the parking lot. You mm-hmm. said it's drifting mm-hmm. is the official thing. You can see all sorts of cars from movies. Uh, that there's, all, there's a lot to do here. So we are about uh, halfway through of January, which means so many of you have already given up on your New Year's resolution, right? Uh, and, and just like a lot of you know women have the New Year's resolution of losing weight, a lot of guys do too. And while you may want to lose a couple of LBs, you guys out there, there's something you may have that you don't want to lose. You want to keep the facial hair, Pamela. When you talk about... Chicks dig beards. Uh, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I do. I, wait, okay, hold on. Let's back up. Okay, why are we talking about that? We're talking about this because there's actually research done on this. All right? Of course. Somebody had to go out from the people that do research kind of surveys. Like, what do ladies like about the guys? And what do they find out? Facial hair. They say beards. Ah, uh, You know, I think when, when I think of beards, um, I think of... This is going to sound super weird, but I'll go with it anyway. Either ZZ Top <laughs> or, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You've got, like, that lumberjack guy with the red beard, like this huge, wow. huge beard. All right. and, and I'm not digging that by any way, shape, or form. But if you get the scruff, yeah. you know, you get, like, that close, tight, shaven kind of scruff. Now we're talking. All right. I'm going to just move my chair a little further. Don't away worry. From you There's right no now. problem there. Um, but <laughs> I, it, it, I have a beard. I have a beard. I know I know how you women react to it, Pamela. You can't help it. I understand. Really? Is, is that has that been a game changer for <laughs> you, Barry? Do I even want to know? There's women throwing themselves at me on a regular basis. It's it's difficult, but I live with it. Yeah, it's, you know what? I'm, wi- I'm witnessing I, that out here at Barrett Jackson. But I will say, the only one that matters is, is, is really my wife, and she likes it. I mean, I grew the beard uh, five years ago, and I didn't think I was going to keep it very long, to be frank with you. I, I, was, I did it for purpose and I thought I'd have it for a month and then when I was getting ready to shave it off she said no I, don't do it she said I like it keep the beard I and feel I, like I always say it's because anything that covers up as much of my face as possible is a good thing but, but a bump yeah but she likes it a certain like a similar thing happened in our house as well uh Chris I don't think Chris my husband even has like a razor anymore he has a uh like a, a shaver tr- a trimmer yeah thank you yeah. I, I don't know I don't have one of those <laughs> that's, a, that's a guy tool so um 
But yeah, he did the same thing. You know, he just didn't shave for a couple of days. I'm like, oh, I kind of like that. This was years ago. Right. And th- every once in a while, like he'll he'll shave it off, and I'm like, yeah, let's let that grow back. Like <laughs> exactly. I like it. I like that scruff. But now we I, have we have scientific proof. It's a, it's a real thing. Women like men with beards. The research shows they like it because it's uh, they, the men seem more physically and socially dominant. Interesting. That's what that's they say. That's why they think that that's why. Okay. Now, women oh. who are super into like crazy, like they don't like germs. Like if you're worried about fleas and lice, they don't like beards, which is kind of odd. Because oh, okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> worried about fleas and it says that, lice. It says that women who prefer a shaven face were found to be the most afraid of parasites such as ticks and lice. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. Like, but is makes, that really happening? My goodness. Maybe that's why I like the clean shave, like like the like the tight shave, because you can't hide anything in there. But if you get like ZZ Top, yeah, that's kind of gross. Right. That's kind of gross. So I kind of see the argument there. But all right, so we're, we're talking about the guys. Uh, you know, most women in this the survey are saying that they like the beard. You know, it's socially dominant and it's physically dominant. Whatever. Okay, whatever. But when it comes to, is there something like an equivalent to what guys like about women? Well, you know, we were we were meant talking about that, and I think it might be long hair. I think guys generally like women with long hair or longer hair. You know, women always want to get like the bob, right? They want to get like not the, always. They want to get well, yeah. not always, but a lot of women they they want to get the shorter hair. It's easier, right? It's Absolutely. Qu- it's quicker. It gets you get you get it out faster. And I'll tell you, and and then the you know women and women compliment other women when they get the short haircut, right? Women, we have to, right? But, yeah, like hey, girlfriend, I yeah. feel ya. It looks great. I'm going to tell you right now, there. I don't know any man who prefers a woman with shorter hair. I'm sure there are a couple listening right now, but the vast majority yeah. I would tend to agree with. It's a, I think I think that might be the equivalent for men. You know what I did? Like, I have long hair. It's yes. actually down today uh, because we're sitting outside here at Barrett-Jackson. It's a little chilly. Hello, I've been living in Arizona for 20-plus years. This is cold for me. Um... But I feel like I got the I have the best of both worlds. I've got long hair, but I just throw it up. Yeah, like I just I up. put it up in a bun, like that that messy top knot bun, and I'm like, okay, I'm good to go. Um, so yeah, you can wear it up, you can wear it down. It is a winner. But yeah, I thought that this was this was interesting because the survey out there, women prefer men with beards because they're seen as more dominant and attractive. So lose the lbs, but keep the <laughs> facial hair, huh? They tell you, well, they they really this is a real study. They they talked to a thousand. I can't American believe women. it's a real. Study, and but they, yes. And they asked them, and they asked them to look at pictures of men and with different levels of facial hair or no facial hair. And they asked them long term relationship, short term relationship, and all of them across the board like the men with facial hair. Okay, yeah. There Put me you into go. that category. Put me into that category. I'm feeling, okay pretty, I'm feeling I'm pretty good. At, I'm feeling good about myself, Pamela. That's what I'm saying. Well, you know what? That's what I'm here for. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna to walk boost around, your ego. I'm going to walk around Barry Jackson now and just let the women enjoy me for a few minutes. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> Barry Markson, folks, in for Bruce St. James all week long. We are out here at Barrett Jackson. Jackson. And uh, when we come back to you, we're going to talk about how new evidence against the president may, may affect the upcoming impeachment trial. That's coming up next on KTIR.